Hello everyone and welcome to the Brunton Bugle, the number one Cal United podcast for all your needs to do with Brunton Park. I'm Lee Rooney. And I'm Dan McLennan. On today's episode we look back at United's last two games including the end of the goal drought in a thriller at Rodney Parade, previewing a big six-pointer against Keith Curls, Oldham Athletic and giving the latest update on the hunt for a new boss. I ran out of time that time, Ooh, Dad, didn't I? Yeah, I know, it was tight. That Do you know what it, it was? It's because I changed the uh, the intro intro a bit, the very start of the intro. Yeah, yeah. And uh, caught myself out a little bit. Uh, how you doing, mate? Yeah, not bad, not yeah. bad. Good. Uh, anyone listening today thinking my voice sounds a bit funny because I've had a cold for the last few days. So a... I think half a nation has, but yeah. I've had a little, little tickly cough. Yeah. <coughs> but that's all for the last one. Yes. Because I, I know people were uh, <laughs> loving Mike's cough. Yes, I, I'll make sure that one gets edited out, I'll tell you that. Um, I do, do apologise for that last week. I did miss a few of them, so there you go. But uh, but yeah, so uh, it's you know, it, it, it's got me a bit, little bit bonged up, but... Uh, Hopefully it shouldn't affect us too badly. Um, let's get straight into it, Dan, because we've got a lot to cover, because obviously we didn't do a preview episode for the Newport game, did we? So yeah, we didn't, have, we didn't have time, did we? So. Just didn't have time to fit it in, unfortunately. Um, so let's get straight into the news, Dan. There's only one real big bit of news this week, isn't there? And that is, of course, uh, the Blues drawing Horsham in the first round of the FA Cup. Yeah. Interesting draw, this one, isn't it? So yeah, for the third season in a row, United are going to face non-league opposition in the first round as... Uh, Isthmian's Premier League division side Horsham travel up to Brunton Park. Um, despite struggling in their league, Horsham saw off National League side Woking in the first qu- final qualifying round, sorry, uh, to make it to the first round proper for the first time since the 2007-2008 season, where they, I think they played Swansea City, didn't they, in the second yeah, round? Yeah, second round, yeah. And Swansea won the league that year, and they took them to a replay, so they did pretty well. Um, it's not going to be one of the live games this weekend, we know that for certain, uh, but it will be taking place on the weekend of the 6th and the 7th of November. Um, no confirmation of kickoff time yet because we think it might be one of the games that gets selected for one of the online streams, like the uh, was it the Hazen Yedding game or the Doncaster game last season? Yeah, they, the, the, they, do, they also do the Sunday Golf Show, don't they? Yeah. Where they have like eight or ten games and uh, with Horsham being like such a low level, chances are that that's the sort of game that they'd like to, to have a roving reporter at. And well, you, you had a guess at them, didn't you? In our chat, you said, oh, I reckon these games are going to be the live TV games. I, I wasn't far off, was I? You got I one it... wrong, but you did comment and say, oh, it wouldn't surprise me if there was a Salford loving. Yeah, and what yeah. do you know, Salford with the game picked. Yeah, yeah. So, there Which you go. I think, I think was a bit disappointing for Kingsling Town against Walsall. But... Yeah. It's a bit, a bit of a shame we weren't away for this game, I think, as well. Oh, I mean, we would have yeah. been live on telly if it had been away. And it would have been a nice yeah, little trip, yeah. but... Uh, but there you go. So, looking forward to that one. Uh, I mean, it's, it's a no-win situation for us, is it, really? We've got to, you know, we're seen as, if we don't beat them, then it's an embarrassment. If we don't hammer them, really, it's an embarrassment. But, yeah. yeah. Well, on the, fl- on the flip side, it could be a nice first home game for a potential new manager. It could well be. It could, well, it almost certainly is going to be, isn't it, really? Because yeah. um, cause Gavin Skelton's going to be in charge this weekend. That's been confirmed. Yeah. Um, oh, well, we, we could, you know, we could do that thing like Newport did where you announce a manager and, you know, he's from Munda type thing. 
Yeah, I, I, I reckon it'll be sorted next week, personally. I yeah, can't see them yeah. dragging out any longer, but there you go. Uh, well, let's just briefly then touch on the manager search, uh, Dan. No real update from the club just yet, is there? I think we're just we're still waiting for the final sort of confirmation on this. But uh, yeah, it's it's remarkably quiet. You know, it was the last time there wasn't it really? It was it was, much. but there was the odd gamble. I mean, the only gambles we've seen this time was Danny Granger early on, and then uh, John McGreal at the end of last week. And John McGreal's still fairly big favourite, but. There's absolutely nothing anywhere linking anyone to this job. You know, you know, we've been looking on message boards, Twitter, Facebook groups, and there's just nothing. Well, you rely a bit on the odds, don't you? Now, early on, the odds on the betting sites, as we said before, are just crazy. And, you know, a couple of quid on someone and suddenly they start yeah. showing up the thing. But usually you've got your settled mark at the start, these names come out, and then it settles. And then when names start to appear, you're like, oh, they must be in for it. Yeah, yeah. Which leads us on to obviously the, the list. I've, I've picked out, I think, is it seven names here? I think that yeah. potentially in for it now. Danny, Granger. The, 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 these are all the ones that are basically at the top of the uh, the list of the best. Well, a couple of them aren't quite at the top at the moment, but they have appeared over the last couple of days and they're interesting names. So, I mean, first up, Danny Granger. We said it before, he's someone we wouldn't have a problem with getting the job. We think it'd be quite an interesting appointment and certainly get the fans back on side. I'm not 100% convinced he'll get it at this stage. To be honest, I think they might look for someone a little bit more experienced right now. But we'll have to see on that one. I mean, I've put Gavin Skelton in it. I don't think he will get it, but I don't think he's doing himself any particular harm so far. He's done all right, but I don't think they're going to take the risk of going for an internal appointment on this one, I think. Um, John McGreal, we've mentioned, obviously, already. Uh, Paul Tisdale's still right up there. You know, We don't think well, he'll get it again he, because of the he, he is with one, but he isn't with another. Yeah, which is interesting. It's quite a big price with another one, oh. which suggests that I think it was Sky better have had a little bit of money for him, whereas Bet Victor have had sod all. Which is strange because usually people put the bets on all yeah, of them, don't yeah, they? So yeah. it's, it's, it's strange one that one. Uh, next up, I'm Marvin Bartley. This is an interesting one. It appeared, didn't it? There's an article in the Scotsman saying he was the uh, leading runner for the for the Car United job. If you dug a little bit deeper into this, because he's, he's assistant manager at uh, Livingston, isn't he? Yeah. Now. If you dig a bit deeper, the reporter who wrote this article, if you go to her Twitter feed, she's done a few bits with Marvin Barton in the past. She's obviously one of one of the people, you know, a lot of reporters obviously have people who they go back to speak to and get, you know, good articles from, don't they? So I imagine his agent has tipped her and said, he's applied for the job. You know, yeah. Maybe getting an interview. Um, I do wonder, we said this before, haven't we, about this, the whole Rooney Reel thing, whether, you know, we have someone lined up who is from a BAEMA background that we have to interview and whether he might be the person. It would certainly make sense, wouldn't it? Yeah. And he's, by all accounts, a decent coach and done quite well at Livingston. So it'd be an an interesting appointment, to say the least. It would... uh, He's actually, he's quite, uh, he's quite vocal on his Twitter. Yeah. If you have a look on his Twitter, he'll he'll engage a lot, which maybe isn't the best for... uh, No, not with our fans. uh, Yeah. For a, a potential manager, yeah. it's quite interesting. Yeah, but the, the other he, two... he does do a bit of media work as well. Mm. So the other two names that have come up are Chef Kikuchi. Interesting one that came out. Yeah, of he just appeared right. last night, didn't he? Yeah, he's also went very short at first, but they've gone back down, haven't they? I think uh, yeah, up a little bit even. So um, interesting one. Nearly ten years after we almost signed him, didn't we? Under Greg Abbott, remember that? And he went. Yeah. I think he went to Oldham a year later, I think, or something like that. But yeah. Uh, Jeffrey Kucci, so he's, he's managed a few clubs in Finland, but never in England. Not so. for a while, though. Yeah, 
Um, there, there is the odds. There's a lot of non-league managers on this list, which I think are half guesses. But one other, I, I don't think did, even, I don't think they are half guesses. I think it's basically they've applied for the job and told their mates, and the mates have one 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 that did pop in was uh, Saba Laszlo, the ex Hearts and That's Dundee bar- United manager. Barbie one, that it? Which was just Out of nowhere. Yeah. Yeah. Very and uh, Ryan Mason went short for a little bit, didn't he? He did, because th- th- there was some talk of a uh, someone who'd been a caretaker at a Premier League club from down south, potentially yeah. being linked to the job. Uh, there were some people suggesting Kelvin Davis was in it. He's not appeared on any of the odd side. I imagine he probably isn't the one. Interestingly, though, Keith Millen has appeared on it, and he has mm. been a caretaker at a Premier League club a few times, actually, at Crystal Palace. Mm. So I wonder, and he's, I think he last he was managing in Sweden, somewhere like that. Yes, he so, was. Uh, the name he, of the club. He, was in, he was in Sweden. I, funnily enough, I was doing my little look about who was on the list. Hmm. Uh, Orgite, that was it, Orgite. Yeah. Uh, but I think it didn't really happen much because yeah. of COVID. Yeah, I think he, his odds went quite short for a bit, and then again, they've jumped right up on most of them now. I think they're as high as Tisdale's, or yeah. even higher, possibly. So. Yeah. They're your main the, ones. The, the only thing with someone like that is he's never been further north than Bristol. No, and he's not really managed full time much, has he? He's been mostly yeah. caretaker. So, at the age of what fifty five or something like that, it'd be an interesting one to yeah. suddenly become a full time manager of us. But yeah, I mean, to be honest, the more you look, I mean, McGreal looks the standout candidate at the moment, doesn't he? Really, he looks the one most likely to get it. His odds are still short, which means a fair bit of money's been put on him. The talk we heard was the other day that some interviews were taking place. Can we just go so. back to Keith Millen? Yeah. I'm sure he played for Watford. He did indeed, yeah. And was a certain director of football there at that time. Oh, he could be actually, that's a fair point. Though, Let actually. me just yeah. uh, pull it up on the... You're, you're going to do a bit of a... Yeah, connecting the dots here and look at this, the years they were both at clubs, weren't you? So Yeah, he was. He was he at was. Watford for a couple of years with him. Ah, so maybe that'll be the connection. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's some people suggesting that actually uh, Chef Kikuchi was at um, Ipswich at the same time as John McGreal, wasn't he? So maybe there's a connection there. Maybe he's looking yeah. to bring him in as a coach or something. I don't know. But, uh, uh, but yeah, so that's yeah. the names we've got at the moment. We, we're, we're no closer to finding out who's going to be boss, are we? We're just waiting and seeing. Skelton's got the job for this weekend, so it might not be till Monday. We'll, we'll be scouring out. the car park from an early time on Definitely. Saturday to see who's going in the platform. Me and Mike, well, interesting to see who's in the director's box, maybe, potentially, if they've mm. already decided on who it is. Well, yeah, yeah. Because there was an interesting face in the director's box last weekend, wasn't it, Dan? Let's get on to the Tranmere match review a bit. We've got the Newport one as well coming up. But, uh, Kainati nil, Tranmere one. Um, tight game, wasn't it, Dan? It's interesting first game for Skelton to take charge. I mean... Can't really come up against a much tougher defence in the division. Still only conceded, was it four goals this season, I think? Yeah, there's not many goals in Tranmere matches, which we sort of alluded to in our previews. Yeah, last week we, we felt that was the case. I mean, looking at both games altogether, it was two tough games in the space of a few days. Saw United pick up just one point out of a possible six, but undeniably, though, there, there were signs of improved performance from the Blues, especially... The trip down to Newport, I think, for the midweek game, that that was a, a big improvement what we've seen for most of this season, to be honest. Um, started well against Tranmere, but just couldn't find a way through a very impressive back line and conceded a sloppy own goal against County. They started the game brilliantly with an early goal, despite 
You couldn't get much earlier, could you? Oh, no, you couldn't really. <laughs> and uh, despite showing uh, the fragility that has plagued the season so far by going behind before half-time, they, they battled back well in the second half and were probably unlucky not to take all three points from what was a, a pulsating encounter in the rain, I describe it. That's as. a good good description, pulsating. It was. It was It was, It was. was pretty exciting to play. It was a good game of League 2 football considering the conditions and... Nice to see a decent pitch at Newport for once as well. Yeah, yeah. Bit, a bit of grass in it for once. Uh, Gavin Skelton said after the game, they need no complaints about the pitch. It was fantastic. Great service to play on. Let's look at the Trombie game first then, Dan. Uh, there was a few changes from Skelton this one. And the biggest surprise was Mark Howard starting the game, wasn't it? I mean, mm. we we said in the preview, we felt he'd probably be on the bench start just as cover and Jensen would carry on, but he didn't. And... There's some reports, isn't there, that Jensen was very unhappy about this and has actually asked to go back to Burnley because he feels he should have been starting. Which I can get. Yeah, I'm not I can totally get. I'm not saying it's right, but yeah. put yourself in his shoes. Uh, you know, your rivals, your rivals out. You start a game, not really to really blame for any mm-hmm. of the goals you conceded, and then you dropped. You know, it's. Yeah, I can I see why. I don't mind Skelton's reasoning, though. I think Skelton did a really good job after the game explaining why he yeah. did it. So basically, just need to get experience in this team. And he, that's something he's recognised. He's taken a week for him to recognise. We actually need experienced heads in the team. Cause I, I, I don't think it took him a week to recognise, to no. be quite honest. No, I think he needs straight right away. And I do wonder if Beach had been still in charge and it looked like Howard was signing whatever happened, whether he would have kept him on the bench, potentially, rather than starting. Yeah. That's what I think he would have done. Um... Yeah, so solid enough first half. Only one real chance for us though, wasn't there really? That was the uh, the beat the Clough one where he picked up on a loose ball and the keeper yes, made a decent yeah. save. And they had a couple of long range efforts, but again, Howard wasn't massively tested first half, was he? It was it was a very solid sort of game, and you, you could see why Tramway had done so well this season. Yeah, they the, the started quite iffy, didn't they? But the, the last few weeks have really picked up, and yeah. It'd be no surprise to see them right up there at the end of the season. Yeah, it'd be great as well to to show that Mike's prediction was wrong on that one as well. So yeah, um, I, second, think I, I think I said they'd be up there, didn't I? Me, me and you both did. We both yeah. have them in the top three. Yeah. So uh, second half, I mean, conceding that goal so soon, three minutes after the break, just drained yeah. all the confidence on them, didn't they? And it's one of those ones Whelan gets a bit caught on the right, doesn't he? And the lads in low ball comes in and. I do feel for McDonald's it's a difficult one because he's he's wondering what to do because he can't really take a touch. He doesn't know who exactly is right behind him potentially and he just gets his feet completely messed up, doesn't he? Yeah, it's one of the, yeah. It happens to defenders. And I think Whelan's done the same in another game and yeah, it's just a little bit unlucky with that one. Um, yeah, after the uh, they scored, literally two minutes later... We had a chance up in front of the Warwick that yes, we, did, yeah. we, we, we didn't connect with. And it was one of those where if if we were in Tranmere's position, we would have scored that. Yeah. Because we just went 1-0 down to a bad own goal, a dodgy own goal. We haven't connected with it and that's it, you know, so it's... It's one of the ones with Gibson was just stretching, wasn't it? And I think if he... Yeah, yeah. Any other time, you know, if he, if he was a bit more up with play, he would have probably comfortably put it away but he couldn't really direct it either side of the keeper could he he just had to stretch and hit do what he could with it and and then we got the penalty Dan and uh, 
Yeah, it's one of those ones Whelan's got to look at him. That I mean, he was just poor defending all round, wasn't it? Yeah, Gotted is so much better there. I mean, the the lad ghosts past him. He barely even tries, and Melis is in a situation where he's just got to put a tackle in because the lad's going to get a shot off and score probably if he doesn't. So he just had to try and do something and got a tackle in. And Morris steps up to take the penalty and good save by Howard. To be fair, you know he, he kept his legs high and because I think like, he, he sort of tries to put it down the middle, doesn't he? And he. Rather than dive completely the way, he makes sure his legs are sort of there to, to do so, to actually make a connection, doesn't he? Yeah, it was that whole sort of first 15, 20 minutes of the second half. It was it was scrappy, but it wasn't. It was quite hard to describe. You know, there was mm. there was so much went on, and the sum total of it was it showed why we're where we are in the league because yeah. you just get nothing going for you when you. Yeah. And whereas Tranmere are on the up again, and it did for them. Absolutely. It's, it just, just goes to show you sometimes, doesn't it? So, yeah, after the penalty, I think there's only really one other chance we had, wasn't there, Dan? That was the uh, the long-range effort from Mellish that went just inches wide of the post. Um, actually, I, I thought I'd have to say in this game, first half, Mellish put in probably one of the most disciplined performances I've seen him put in for his playing in a midfield two rather than a three. He, he actually put in a really good performance. He had to slot in at centre-back later in the game because Feeney... I think picked up a knock, maybe like a bruised rib or something. Then he could be held yeah, in his chest. Was, yeah, a, a lot of people didn't seem to notice it. I, I saw a yeah. couple of people, you know, what did we take him off or no defenders? For about five minutes, he was sort of holding his chest and rib cage or something. Yeah. There was a couple of like chats with the bench. And when from where I was sat, when he came off, we actually saw him go straight up the tunnel with the club doctor. So there was, he clearly took a knock or a bang or something wasn't right. But yeah. he was back down a couple of minutes later and back on the bench. So, yeah. uh, so I, but, I mean, I, I wonder, if, tonight, he's, I wonder so. if he's just been winded or something, you know, and yeah. it's, you know, to... he's been a bit short of breath from it. Yeah, possibly. And like we said, he, he played on Tuesday night, so there can't have been anything wrong with him long term. Um, yeah, it's just one of those games, wasn't it? That, at that point, Tramir just did a job on us. And I yeah. mean, Jay Sparing was so impressive in the centre midfield. That's the kind of play we're missing this season. And someone like Peter Clark at the back, I mean... 39 years old, he barely broke a sweat, didn't he? He 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 was really, really impressive. And, you know, it, it, it's, yeah, it's one of those ones. And I think we just look back at it now, just look, look, didn't get didn't get a point from it. We didn't disgrace ourselves, did we, either? So take take the positives and move on. That was the best thing to do from that game. Um, Got to touch on who was at the game there, don't we, Dan? Well, there was someone there, wasn't he? I don't think he'll be our next manager, but... Well, who was it? It was... The buzz is back. We're all excited. I'll prove there's only one United. The world is watching this football team. Because I don't say what I don't mean. Uh, we'll be the judge of that one, Michael. Thank you very much. Um, <laughs> well, well, we were, though. We went to see him on Friday night, me and you, didn't we? We popped along to the uh, the old fire station for the event. I mean, I was up and on about whether to go. I didn't feel great about the idea of putting money into his pocket. But he gave up his fee to the... Motor Neuron Disease Association Fund for Tony Hopper. Regardless of your opinion of him, yeah, you can't knock the bloke for that. Well, no, you, you can't at all. You can't at all. He could have easily pocketed the money. There was nothing to say he couldn't. And it was pretty much sold out already, wasn't it? So, yeah, yeah. to be fair, it's before he even decided to do that. So, fair play to him. And like we said, you know, I mean, look, a lot of what he says is BS and he gets a lot of things mixed up. He, he was mixing up a lot of his data, wasn't he, in events. But he's a he's a raconteur, isn't he? You could sit and listen to him for hours the way he talks. He's he's quite an interesting bloke in that sense. Still still got issues about some of the things he was claiming. But interesting night overall, wasn't it? 
yeah, yeah, it was it was entertaining, you know, and yeah. there wasn't there was hardly any hostility in the room towards mm-hmm. him, you know. I mean, you think about his reputation when he left the club; he's actually got a, a set of kahunas on him for uh, coming back to the town. Full stop. You know? Coming back to the it's... town, then, and then even bigger set of kahunas for <laughs> inviting himself to the game. Allegedly, I mean, yeah. he's denied it. He said that Andrew Jenkins invited him. The club have said nonsense he just turned up and it's one of those ones where i suppose he's a 70 year old man they think oh, we don't really want to be hauling him out with some bloody bounces here do we so let's just put up with it and just i don't think we'll ever get to the bottom exactly of what happened yeah. but I I, uh, I I i i'm of i've been told that he was semi-expected yeah so. but maybe, maybe not so much invited but they thought he was going to turn up and they thought well let's not let's not make a scene here at least that's yeah. what they're thinking isn't it so so there you go uh, yeah, interesting. He didn't get much hostility at the end of the game, though, did he? <laughs> he was stood there. He stood up. He, there's a few people shouting stuff, but most people were giving holds with abuse. And it was funny because it's like he was almost stood there, like no one's noticed me. <laughs> he was like, yeah. "Bloody hell, this is brilliant!" I, yeah. I didn't realise that you know there's people more hated than me right now at the club. But uh, there you go. Let's move on to the Newport game then, Dan. Um, more changes from Skelton again. Mm-hmm. Showed he wasn't afraid. I mean, it, it's easy to say because obviously he's caretaker, so you know he can probably have a bit more freedom. And he did say this week, actually, I think it was early today, wasn't it, on Thursday, that he feels like he's enjoying it a bit more this time. He didn't really enjoy it being caretaker when before Stephen Presley got the job, or after Stephen Presley lost the job. Sorry. Um, whereas this time he feels like he's enjoying it, doesn't he? So he's um, more changes. Not afraid to mix it up. Riley and Dickinson at uh, fullback. Um, attacking. He's, <laughs> yeah. he's, he's, he's played there a lot though, hasn't he? Yeah, both of them have to be fair. They're both playing yeah. Riley and Dickinson as, as fullbacks. Yeah. And what they give you is they give you a, a real attacking threat from that position, don't they? They will get forward and cause yeah. problems. And and I, I think we've said this before, it was probably about time Jack Armour got a rest from the team. Because actually one thing we didn't touch in the Tranmere game there was they were targeting him, weren't they? They were really looking to play to Mac Manimum down the right and have a real go. And they got in behind two or three times, actually. Congratulations on saying Mac Manimum. I got it right this time. Thank you. Yeah. Hope everyone enjoyed the little bonus at the end of last week's episode because oh, that, that was a nightmare being able to say. I don't know what it was. I, just, I said it wrong wrong once. And then I was like, <laughs> did it again. I was like, oh, God, this is going to be a nightmare now. And then I said to Mike, said, you're going to laugh now when I do it properly. I'm going to have to explain to him when I cut it out. But there you go. So yeah, no, they, they clearly targeted Armour, didn't they? So I mean, this this game started with that lineup and fair play. They started the game so rapid. I mean, actually, I should say as well, Charter started this game, didn't he? His first league start since the Warsaw game, I think it would have been. Yeah, I don't think he started any other league games for us. Mm. Unless he, did he start one toward the end of the? No, he didn't. He came on as a sub in one of them, didn't he? I think because for some reason. Beach wouldn't play him for even though the get you know the season was over essentially. Yeah, but yeah, to Joe Riley back into the team with a bang down, wasn't he? I mean, what an opening goal! But it's just like watching Brazil seventeen. Not we're not playing <laughs> yeah. football like this under Beach for. Oh, we're tall under Beach, really, didn't we? It was a good, fast flowing move. I mean, Clough did well to nick the ball. I mean, him and Mellish did re- put good pressure on their player, nick the ball, get it to Riley on the the right. Um, Sorry, Gibson, I think, first and right. He plays it to Riley. He does a little one-two with Clough and he's in and fires it in, doesn't he? Yeah, and it, it, well, it's something we've seen him do a couple of times now, isn't it? Mm. You know, he's, he's popped up in the uh, the box and I actually think Riley 
would really suit a right wing back position. Yeah, I mean, well, I, I think, will, a right I think back Dickin, is good. Dick, Dickinson would on the left as yeah. well. You know, it's whether it's whether you promise if you do that. Where do you fit Gibson into the team? Maybe that's where you maybe have a challenge. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's you'd maybe problem, not be able to fit it? Gibson and Clough in the same team if you're playing with wing backs, possibly. Mm. But no, I, I agree with you. I think I, I said I'm going to put down as a point to talk later. But I'll say it now. He's right back his best position. I know he's played so well in midfield for us, but I think he, he's so good at driving us forward and he can pick the ball and he can step into midfield almost at times. That's where Callum Guy should sort of drop and cover right back while he meanders forward. So I do wonder if that might be... I think Skelton's almost hinted, isn't he, that he thinks that that's actually his best position so far. I mean, he was brought in as a right back, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. Originally, well, so. he, well, we, we, I think we had him down as uh, sort of... Uh, What's the what's what's the utility, like utility player? I yeah. Think of the word, yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so yeah, really good start. We looked lively for the first five or ten minutes or so, and then getting to the top after the twenty-minute mark, and they were just starting to get into it, weren't they? And then they got two quick-fire goals round about the half an hour mark. Defending was poor on both. There wasn't it really. I mean, especially the second goal. I mean, the the, the first one, Riley's caught a little bit upfield and. Maybe McDonald could do a bit better to get tighter to Telford, but I mean it's a good finish, isn't it? Good, good bit of footwork and finish it on the edge of the box from Telford. The second goal, um, it, it's it's one of those ones, isn't it? You look at it and it, it looks a brilliant goal. When you know, if you hear it on the comments, you say, oh, he's beat three or four men, whatever, and put it in. But actually, just no one stepped up to him, did they? And the problem at this point, I should say, actually, is that Rod McDonald had already been booked, hadn't he? So he couldn't really risk lunging in with a tackle. He almost has to back off and play that way when a, when a player's running it in. That's, that's the risk when you get an early booking in a game, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, especially given how light we are on yeah. sort of def- defenders at the moment. Yeah. You know, it's not... Uh, I'm, I'm sure whoever does get the gig, that'll probably be the first... You know, we, hopefully we've got the goalkeeping position sort of yeah. covered now. You know... <laughs> If ever there was a season where we needed an Anthony Gerrard or a Clint Hill, yeah. this is it, you know. Yeah, someone to just come in there and just grab them all by the scruff of the neck and just do it. Everything no-nonsense. Because I think there's one problem with... We'll talk about Rodney's recent performances in a second. Um, yeah, I, I feel... I feel as well, McDonald's going to get a lot of blame for this goal, and probably quite rightly. And the problem is he got that stupid early booking, which meant he, he had to play this way. What one issue I've got still with this though is Callum Guy's got a chance to step in at one point and he doesn't. He yeah. stands off and just lets it go, and then you see him throw his arms up when the goal goes in. And I think to myself, you, you've been involved in that goal as well. You can't, you know, deflect all the blame. And I think Feeney as well at the end just stands off a little bit too much. Yeah. So someone else has got to recognise there that oh, Rod's on a booking here. He can't lunge in. We need to back him up. We need yeah. to get a tackle in. The, the, the guy of last season would have been in. Bang. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the guy of this season, unfortunately, has been a shadow and, you know, we're yeah. still waiting to see him click into it. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, so, I mean, let's talk about McDonald and Dan Ayn. Not the two best games for me, I think it's fair to say. I mean, he's come back in after been out with concussion for a couple of weeks, wasn't he? Um, I, I just feel at the moment, my, my biggest problem with McDonald is he's not no-nonsense enough. He tries a bit too hard to play it a bit too much, doesn't he? And he, he likes his sweeping cross-field balls and he likes to... Sometimes he just doesn't boot the ball out of play, does he, from difficult positions. He tries to keep it in. 
And you just think, just get rid sometimes. That, like you said, that's where you need him to, to be like an Anthony Gerrard, just get rid, don't you? Mm. He's a very strange one, McDonald, because he seems a likeable blow. Yeah. And when he does have a good game, he's very good. But he just doesn't have them enough at the moment. Well, it's probably the story of his career at Carlisle, to be quite honest, isn't it? He's, yeah. You know, every good game... There's a couple of bad ones. I mean, which... he's, he's an experienced head in there, but he's not really a leader in the way that someone no, no, like he's, a, he's, a, a he's, Bennett he's or not, Hayden was. No, he's not a big talker. You know, he's, uh, he's, he's quite, gets quite quiet job, and isn't unassuming, he? isn't he? Yeah. I mean, you look at his record. He's been promoted twice from this level and he's played at League One level for three years at Wimbledon. So he's not he's not a dud. <laughs> so it's a, bit, it's a bit of an odd one, isn't it? He just, he just can't quite find his feet at the moment. You do wonder if maybe we need an experienced head in there to take... A bit of the pressure off him and off Feeney and off the rest of them, like Corey Whelan and Dinsey, uh, if we ever see him play again. Um, yeah, so second half, big improvement there, wasn't it, Dan? I mean, the penalty incident was mental, wasn't it? <laughs> what went on there? <laughs> yeah. I think it, what got missed in the build-up is Gibson actually hits both posts with his shot. Yeah, He deflects yeah. off one post, goes across the line, hits the other and comes out. And then I think it was, was it Ar- Armour had a, a shot then as well, didn't he, I think, that was... Uh, set, I think, blocked, I think, and then it comes out to Dickinson on the left, who does really well, actually, to pick out Young. And Young takes a touch and just swings at it with his left and Upson makes uh, some brilliant reflexes to save it, doesn't he? Just a shame that Upson's not the goalkeeper. <laughs> <But> then, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's interesting that the ref takes a bit of time to have a think about it, doesn't he? And then he gives the penalty. Because I thought first, he's completely missed that. And then he gives it. And their manager said, oh, he's just guessing it. But, well... He's guessed the right way there, wasn't he? That's the point. And when you look at it, there's not much argument from Upson, is there, straight away? And if you watch the yeah. replay, his hand's out by the side of his head and he's blatantly saved it. So, yeah, yeah. So, can't really complain. Zach Clough steps up, strikes the penalty well, doesn't he? Well, well yeah, taken. Yeah. He, had a, he had a good game, Clough. I, I was quite impressed well, with him, really. As, as we were going to say, Clough ended up in the League Two team a midweek off the back of he his did, performance. Yeah. So, yeah. I know they do use a bit of stats in that. So, and I think it was uh, if you look on Fox, our friends at Fox Analytics, yeah, he put up a little piece on Clough's role on Tuesday, and it was all positive. You know, he's thoroughly deserved mm. that team of the week thing. So, absolutely. But, you know, maybe just having two or three games where he's played a good 60, 70, 80 minutes, he's maybe getting up to speed and. You know, playing it a little bit more on the ground, he's maybe thinking, "Hey, I can start playing now." Yeah. Yeah, you know, no, my absolutely. forty to one on him being top scorer will come back alive. <laughs> I think, I think that's, I think that's long gone, mate. Oh, <laughs> long, yeah, you never know. I you mean, know. you never know, you never know. But I mean, you nearly scored the winner uh, towards well, the end yeah. of the game. It was all brilliant save from the keeper. I think Gibson had a long range effort saved as well. We, I mean, compared against, the, I think the, the previous game we had what I mean, looking shot stats wise against Bristol Rovers, we had sorry Tranmere Rovers even we had eighteen shots, but only two of them were on target. And there was a lot of long range ones that were going well over the bar. We had the same number, well, just one more actually shot against uh, Newport, 19. Nine of them were on target. That's the big difference. We were actually getting, I think this is something that um, that Skelton touched on after the Trammy game, a bit more composure in the final third. And you saw that, didn't you? I really and, do. Just, just going back to the stats, another thing to mention, both games, we only had about 40% of the ball. Yeah. We don't we're happy to let them have a what You know, I mean... It's 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 an old cliche. You don't need the ball to win the game. No. It's what you well, do with it when you've you, got it. You've got two fullbacks like Riley and Dickinson. They can break it a bit of pace and 
take up the field. Gib- so, uh, and Gibson as well, give him the ball. He's going to bring it right up the field too. And obviously Mellish, we know that, you know, when he gets the ball, he'll just charge forward, won't he? Yeah, so yeah. It, it goes to show, you know, it, 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 it works. I mean, talk about the second red card. Foul had actually already been given for a trip on Riley and then Haynes sort of lunges in on Gibson when the ball's already gone. Doesn't get anywhere near it. And I've heard some of their fans say, oh, the free could all be given. How can he give it? Well, it doesn't matter. It's still a foul, isn't it? <laughs> it yeah. doesn't matter whether the ball's dead. It's still a foul and it's still a booking. So... I don't think they could really argue much of that. I mean, Gibson terrorised Haynes for a lot of the game. And there was one point where I think he, he was trying to sort of sh- shield the ball, wasn't he? And Gibson just nicked around him and he hauled him down for the first booking. So, yeah, I don't think they could argue much of that. But I think you've got to give a lot of credit to Newport as well. For the last nine minutes, they saw the game out brilliantly. They did a really, really good job on us there. I and mean, the ball was probably only in play for about half of those nine minutes, I think. And partly was that was Guy going down with that head injury and... For some weird reason, the ref decided not to add any time on top of injury time. Added on time, did he? So maybe needed to dry out. A bit possibly. I mean, it was it was very very wet this game, wasn't yeah. it? So uh, um, just a couple more things before we finish up the first half. Dan, uh, got to talk about Jordan Gibson. Another excellent game. I mean, I, I'd argue it. I think he's probably the best winger in terms of the ability to beat a man and actually deliver an end product since Nicky Adams. The way he plays, I certainly started well. You know, if he yeah. can, uh, if he can continue and get to the level that Adams was at in his first season, mm. there'll be uh, plenty of happy folk. Definitely, I mean, he's looking a bit of a bargain so far for what was it, twelve grand we played for him or whatever it was. So can't grumble too much at all with that one. Um, just obviously, you mentioned Zach Clough before as well, didn't we? You know, he's he's just starting to look a bit lively, and I think he just needs maybe a, a more of a natural striker alongside him I think Alessandro's in there for that experience at the moment and I can understand that but he does too many similar things to what Clough does doesn't he not yeah, quite as well yeah. as Clough so I'd like to see Young maybe start the next game um, Unleash the fish uh, Well he got he got his chance at the end didn't he and, and another, another five minutes and I think we would have sneaked that with a, a Fishburne winner Possibly good possibly good good to see Charters complete the whole game as well you know a bit mm-hmm. of faith in him he, he yeah. did, did a solid job on the left so well done, Tim. And just one last mention here. I think Gavin Skelton deserves a bit of credit, Dan, that he hasn't been getting from a lot of our fans. I think the work he's done in the space of two weeks in terms of spotting weaknesses, looking to deal with them with the resources he has available to him right now and putting together game plans for matches and looking like we actually are trying to play a bit of football and actually work to our strengths. The difference is just remarkable from the, like, the last four or five weeks of Beaches Rain, isn't it? And... His post-match interview as well against Newport, I was I put this on the B Justin Fair Not Facebook group, but I was so impressed with it. I, I just got tired of Beach's post-match interviews towards the end. I, mean, I didn't wasn't really enamoured by them from the start. I thought there was a lot of buzzwords and frankly bullshit in them really, and you know, talking about representing the community and stuff that stuff that means absolutely nothing. There was no real talk of actually what happened in the game quite often, where Skelton basically was just very clear. He's a clear communicator. He was saying, Yeah, you know, we 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 we've got to Use the ball a bit better, you know. Take our chances when they come, and and he explained quite clearly why he picked certain players and stuff like that. Just so much better, wasn't it, Dan? Yeah, definitely. Uh, and Gav Skelton's done quite a few interviews. There's been games, especially mm. midweek, when you know they've they've been in a rush to get someone out to speak before the radio finishes, and it's you know it's. He's very straight talking. He tells it how it is. If it's good, it's good. If it's bad, it's bad. And it, it's quite refreshing. 
yeah. more than anything, you know. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And another thing quickly on Skel, and, uh, he, he, he's been off the long throws pretty much, hasn't he? He even admitted on Tuesday when we took a long throw towards the end, he was annoyed. He was like, keep the ball, just use it. You know, yeah, keep, keep, yeah. keep playing the way you were. I think he would, they, they, they went to basically default, oh, we're chasing the game, let's just launch it forward at the end. And that was just nice to see a manager refreshingly saying, we don't need to just launch it every time. Just use the ball better. But yeah, there you go. So it's obviously only one point out of six, but decent signs there. I think, you know, we, the, there is weakness in the squad. There are players we need to bring in. But overall, positives we can take from that, definitely, Dan. Definitely. And uh, I think, as we'll discuss after the break, that Saturday, will it, it's a big, it, it's a six-pointer already, really. Yeah. yeah, big opportunity, big opportunity. Right, let's take a quick break then, Dan, and we'll be back then with the second half of the show. We'll be previewing the Oldham Athletic game. We'll be back in just a sec. And we're back for part two, Dan, where we're going to be previewing the Oldham Athletic game. First up, we've got to tell you, as usual, that the second half of the show is being sponsored this season by the Cal United Sports Club London Branch. London Branch is open to all Cal United fans. They've got members from Cornwall to Dundee and Houston to Singapore, and of course, every part of London and the South East, and has even got some up in Cumbria. They regularly meet up on away trips, as well as arranging many social events and sports games, and they do a lot of fundraising for the club as well. They'll be providing us with information for the away games as part of the preview section this season too. You can find out more about the London Branch at their website, carlislelondonbranch.org. And we know from speaking to the London Branch that they've had some extra members as a result of sponsorship, which is good to hear. Okay, Dan, let's get on to the uh, preview section then, Dan. Uh, First up, uh, we've got the Catching Up With The Opposition podcast uh, section. Uh, This week, we spoke to Matt from the Boundary Park Alert System podcast to discuss... What on earth has been going on at Boundary Park and their fans fought on Keith Curl? Now, strap yourselves in, because this is a long one. It's a bit longer than some of the I think it's about 25 minutes long, which, is, you know, you think, oh, God, that's a long time. But it's, it's really interesting because he covers a lot of stuff in terms of the off-the-field issues at Oldham. And it's almost like putting a mirror up at times with some of the issues at Cal United. But there's a bit more apathy at the moment with us, where they've been past the apathy stage now, and they're at the angry stage. So... It's well worth a listen. I'm just you can skip for 25 minutes if you want to get onto the bit where we, we talk about the Alden game. That's fine. But I'd give it a good listen because it's really, really interesting. So it's well worth hearing what Matt's got to say. So here's a chat I had with, with him early today. Matt, I think it's quite fair to say it's been a, an eventful season so far for the Latics, hasn't it? Just give us a quick overview as to what's actually happened because we've all seen these protests taking place and stuff like that. And some of our fans might not quite understand what's going on uh, down at Boundary Park right now. Yeah, I mean, as usual, most of the uh, of the action and the excitement is off the pitch when it comes to the Latics, uh, I'm afraid. Uh, another abysmal start to the season. We, we lost, well, we lost six of the first seven, I think it was, or something like that. And, um, and basically, I think the fans just had had enough of, of these poor starts to the season. The same happened last season. I think the same thing would have happened last season. Uh, it was Harry Kewell who was in charge at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we beat you in the in the League Cup uh, at home in the first home game of the season, and then we just lost every game after that. So yeah. this was coming. The result, the season start really badly because of the preparation in the pre-season. So 
this season, obviously, a fan's back in the ground. Um, the season started terribly. We, 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 we signed five players on the, on the, that were announced on the opening day of the season. You know, wow. we've had all, se- all pre-season to prepare. Um, and it's just more of the same. So, fans started having enough. Um, throwing tennis balls on the pitch, uh, <laughs> running on the pitch, getting games you know, stopped, um, protests outside the ground. And it was kind of like there was, you know, a lot of the younger fans who maybe aren't involved in some of the more sort of political side of things in the background, the supporters trusts and the supporters groups and all that kind of stuff. And the, and the, the dialogue just got frustrated and thought, enough's enough here. Let's, let's do something. Yeah. And, and to be fair, um, although you know they're not allowed to run on the pitch and it's illegal and all the rest of it, what it did was you get cut straight across on Sky Sports to oh, <laughs> there's tennis balls on the pitch at Boundary Park yeah. or there's fans on the pitch at Boundary Park and and next thing that's being talked about and then because I'm on the supporters trust, I got a, a phone call from Talk Sport and um, you know I'm on there with Simon Jordan and and one of the directors from the club uh, and he's the director from the club saying things like. The supporters are killing the club. So obviously then everyone went into a rage over that because we're not like, no, it's friend, you guys it? that are killing the club. <laughs> you know, you send your, the club sends its lawyer onto the radio to, to the first public contact with, with the fans for months and months and months. And it's that kind of level of thoughtfulness, I, I guess. You yeah. know what I mean? And inconsideration towards the fans. That's, it's, yeah, it's like you just said just before we came on, you could probably talk about this stuff off the pitch constantly but we're under an EFL embargo there's only us and Scunthorpe that haven't paid it off yet I believe um, yeah. and so you're in an illustrious company down at the bottom of the table <laughs> with, uh, with us there and you know what we've got staff leaving left right and centre the way the club is being run I mean I'd be, I'd be interested to find out a little bit more from you uh, obviously I know where Carlisle are and I know how important this game is coming up you know this is a long process it's been going on for like four years i think i came on this podcast last season and probably spoke about similar things um we've just had a sort of tipping point now in terms of the fans where now the majority of the fans the vast majority of the fans want the owner out and so the pressure is building and you know, we've got to that point um is 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 something similar going on at carlisle or are you just having one of those starts of the season a bit, bit of both really i think it's probably fair to say we're we've just stagnated for about seven or eight years, probably even more maybe now since we nearly made the league two or league one playoff, sorry, in 2011, 12, we've just been yeah, bang average since then. We've just not really done anything. And the owners, I don't think they've got any sort of ill feeling in terms of the way they're treating the club. There's no malice there. They're yeah. just not very good and they're not very exciting and not very, Charismatic people. Um, interesting, last week, uh, Michael Knight was back in Carlisle to do a talk on the Friday night about his time at the club and you know the good times and the bad times. Yeah, you know, Fans there didn't give him too much stick. There was a little bit of stick he was given and I think a lot of fans just wanted to hear his story and you know, there was a lot of BS in there, but you know what, what do you expect? But he actually turned up to the game on the Saturday, uninvited, allegedly, the club said, although he's denied it. He said that the chairman invited him. If they did invite him, that shows that they're really not quite on the on the money as terms of fans' feelings because a lot of the fans who went there obviously didn't go on the Friday night and didn't know <laughs> about you know didn't really want him to be there. So yeah, the, our, our biggest problem basically is we're just stagnating at the moment, and we've we, we owe a lot of debt to Pure Pay who are 
basically what was Edinburgh Woolen Mill. And their owner is a guy called Philip Day, who was based near Carlisle and loaned the club money as Edinburgh Woolen Mill. And I was just wondering, really, so is is the is the is the app because this is what happened at Oldham, right? We had apathy for such a long yes, time, yes, yes, twenty odd years, and it just kind of like people took their eye off, people got disinterested. You could see the the rot just slowly, like just getting yeah. worse and worse and worse. Are you guys nearly at that point where you're sort of like getting mobilised and sort of like, look, something's got to change now? I think the, the problem we've got is we've got supporters trust who are not particularly well liked by a lot of the fans because of incidents in the past yeah. um, in relation to previous owners and stuff like that. It'd take too long to go into the detail, but essentially that's one yeah, of the yeah. issues. I think the problem is, as a club, we're not actually that badly run. We've made profits, right. I think, in the last two seasons. You know, we're, we're yeah. selling young players to keep ourselves... We're trying to run, basically, at break-even, which is a nice thing to, to do, but it, the problem is it means you don't really have any chance of going up. You, you might just yeah. about push for it, but the problem is you you usually short a bit, fall a bit short, as we have done like two or three times the last recent seasons. That's where the problem comes in. So yeah, ap- apathy. You're absolutely right. It's 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 the it's the buzzword, really, isn't it? In in yeah. terms of us, I think we're probably still a long way away from. I think if this whole takeover cycle with Edinburgh Mill, well, what was Edinburgh Mill, carries on much longer, I think that's when the apathy will turn into anger a bit more yeah. for us. But for you guys, it's clearly. Already reached that point quite a while ago, didn't it? I mean, there's, there's yeah. issues with the owner and his brother, isn't there? I think his brother's the director of football or something, is he? Yeah. And it's just, yeah, it is. And it, it's just the kind of, it's this kind of like, there's nothing to see here kind of mentality. Like, you know, as in like, what are y'all talking about? We, we run the club really well. Like, there's no issues. Like, Boundary Park is like crumbling. It's the match day experience. Like people complaining the other night after we played Warsaw. So we beat Stevenage 3-0, right? Scored a yeah. couple of really good goals. You might have seen Bahambula's goal. Really good. Yeah. Composed, right? You know, he, he's capable of that. So there's that. There's that. And then, you know, straight away you're on Twitter and people are like, hey, whoa, we're only seven points off the playoffs. And it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. We've got another home game on Tuesday night against Warsaw. Let, let, just let normality just come back. You know, we lost 3-1. Yeah. Abject performance. Um we haven't got a squad. Any we had like Pierre Gianni was suspended, and that threw the defense completely out of kilter. And like, which because we just don't have the depth. And mm. um, yeah, I mean, it's just I was going to make a point. I started this with a point and went off on a on a tangent, <laughs> and now I can't remember what I was going to come back to. But I think we've put up, we put up with it for a long, long time. And mm. I lived in, I lived in Ireland for ten years, and I started my podcast last year, um, last September. And through doing the podcast, sort of like investigating the issues at the club, bringing other fans on board, analysing our own supporters' trust, analysing the issues, really getting stuck into it. We got to a point where it was like, this is, if we don't start doing something about this, nothing's going to change. Like, we, it's up to us now. We've left this to go on for too long. And, and we had the issues with our supporters' trust. And so my solution was to put myself forward and try and get people involved to... to to come onto the trust and say, look, this is not the way that this trust should... You should be ready now. The whole mm. point of this supporters' trust, like we own 3% of the club, our supporters' trust, the whole point of it was that it would be ready in this circumstance to do something effective. And we're literally... We've recently had to reform it. it, it yeah. It's been ridiculous. And, and we have to take collective responsibility for that. You know, yeah. as fans, it's easy for us all to look at each other. You know, like, it's like that Spider-Man gif, isn't it? Where everyone's yeah, yeah. It's, it's easy to do that. It really is. But somebody has got to stand up and say, no, enough's enough here now. And 
like we had all those issues in the past where people are coming onto the supporters trust and then getting cozy with the club and then seeing that, that oh, no, we don't want to rock the ball because you get they get in there and they get their you know perks the, the job is to stand between the club and the supporters and be a watchdog and be a guardian and, and hold the club to account and call it out when it's doing things wrong uh, i'll tell and, you what and Matt, all that this, kind of stuff you know this fit this feels like holding up a mirror right now it's Listen, it's incredible the amount, the amount of uh, similarities i think you're just a bit further down the road and you the difference is you've probably got an owner I'm not necessarily saying there's malice there, but he, he just seems absolutely hopeless. Whereas I was, he doesn't a, know what he's doing, and yeah. you can't, it's like it's you know you wouldn't give a five year old the keys to your car, would you? And just and yeah. wait for, and wait for him to learn to drive. Yeah. You wouldn't just say, "Go on, yeah. well, you'll pick it up eventually." Yeah, well, you know what I mean. It's not it's not that it's not how you do it. And yeah, what what I would what I would encourage yourself and some of your listeners to do if you really you know if you if you if you're frustrated and you want to, 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 to get more involved is to come and listen to some of our podcasts because mm. what we've done is we've gone and listened to other supporters' trusts, you know, cause, and what we've done with our podcast, it's kind of like a crisis podcast, really. It's like, yeah. you know, we're, we're focusing not on, so much on the football but some more on what's going on and what we can do about it. And so we've gone to Blackpool, Swindon, Northampton, uh, Exeter, um, Leighton Orient, Portsmouth, loads of other clubs that have stopped Port County whose trusts have, have had to dig in and turn turn it around for their club. Brentford was a really good interview that we did. Yeah. You know, and, and they've told us and they've given us loads of ideas and loads of inspiration. And, and what we've done then is we've kind of passed that on to our um, listeners. And then through the listenership of the podcast, we've like sort of like increased the, the membership of the, of, the, of the supporters trust. Like we're well over a thousand now. I think like it was at 190. You know what I mean? Like, well, so that's that's what we've been able to do. Through I, I was this similar right now. I think it's about well, I was about four hundred, but at the AGM, about forty people vote usually, which tells yeah. you all you need to know. And, and bear in mind, our sports trust owns twenty five percent of the club. Yeah, but they're incapable of doing any fundraising because so many people hate them, and it, it's an, it's an ong- it's a, it's basically a, it's a vicious circle of people won't yeah. people won't invest in them because they don't like the people involved in the, the trust. We say to them, well, why don't you put yourself forward? At, and join the trust and become the new, you know, new yeah. people running it, and people will trust you. Oh, I don't want to. That's that's where the problem comes. It's, it's a vicious circle. And I, I know I tell exactly you what, though, Lee, like you've got a great vehicle, a great tool mm. to be able to use, and like, you know, you're sat at the trap door, like we are, and you know, it's like the thing is, we're doing all this and talk to supporters, trusts, and clubs, and you start to feel empathy for all <laughs> for all yeah. clubs. And, you, and I'm looking at Carlisle and Scunthorpe and I'm thinking, and Latics, and I'm thinking, I don't want any of these to go down. You know what I mean? But so two teams have got to go down. That's just the way it goes. But I don't want that to happen to any of us. And but what I, what I think, as long as everyone's going down and, and and you've got a fighting chance, and you know, you feel like it's some kind of a level playing field, then that feels better. I think it's it's kind of you feel sorry for. I mean, we're going to be speaking to Scunthorpe in the in the next week or two, and the, mm. their supporters trust or something like that, and. Um, you just want people, someone's got to go down, but what you'd like is a competitive league and a competitive bottom half, and it could go down to the white, you know, and it's just sporting, you know, not that, that, that clubs are just run into the ground and that this apathy sets in. Like, you know, Carlisle is, Carlisle United's supposed to be the pride and joy of Carlisle, and Oldham Athletic's supposed to be the pride and joy of Oldham, and it's like, and I think it, it's up to us, like, as fans to, 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 to do that I think you're just waiting around for you know say well I go, I've got a season ticket what more do I need to do well if that's your attitude then you've just got to expect you've just got to wait you, you, you can't expect any more than what you're getting served up 
especially as you said, as if your trust owes twenty five percent of the club, like it's it's your club. Like you've got a you've got to take control of it, and 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 that's what we're doing. And look, it's absolutely draining. That's why I've been on holiday because it's been <laughs> such hard work. Because we've had yeah. to sort of rebuild our trust. We've had to sort of rebuild faith in it. We've had to completely like put new policies and processes and all this in place that is at the same time as like we're on football focus we're in magazines we're doing loads of press we're 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 everywhere um we're doing the podcast it's really busy and it's you know and we're all trying to work at the same time it's hard but it's worth hopefully it'll be worth it oh because... in the long term you've got to hope it's worth it haven't you really and... absolutely yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, like you said, you you could talk forever. We've done about twelve minutes worth, and it's but it, it's well worth hearing because people want yeah. to know, especially from our like I said, from our viewpoint. It's just it, apathy is the, the key word, and apathy of our sports yeah. trust is probably as, as big a problem as apathy with the owners yeah. at the club. I at think the exactly. We what 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 we've got from um, other supporters trusts is mm. encouragement, inspiration, and support. Like they, they've been brilliant. Like once a club's yeah. been through something like where they've nearly gone out of existence or they've, they've plummeted like Stockport did to Conference League North and then they've had to start like, you know, start rebuilding yeah. the club. They don't want to see it happen to other clubs. They don't want to see it happen to their local rivals and things like that. And they start getting behind each other. And, I, and, and what I would really love is for us to be able to pull ourselves out of this, use our experience to then try and help other clubs at, at the similar, a similar point. And then ultimately what we need to do is we need to pull together as supporters and 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 change just change the game. The game is is ripe for changing. Like we have to yeah. take control of it as fans now. We can't just keep letting it run away like with this Super League. We've had we're having all the warnings, you know. Like if we especially it starts to start at the lower level. I mean the English football league is amazing, isn't it? You know what I mean? Four yeah. divisions of well, basically five divisions now worth like yeah. uh, it's incredible. And if yeah, I think using your story, using your experience to sort of help other clubs has been one of the most inspiring and like heartwarming things that's come out of it for us. Um, and so hopefully, you know, we'll have our day and, and then we'll be able to help other clubs. And right, for you guys, I hope you, you know, I hope you, uh, I hope you are able to, to sort it out and turn it around. I mean, it's tight in it down there. There's plenty of time. Yeah. There? That's the thing. Yeah, definitely. Board. Well, let's focus a little bit on uh, things on the pitch then, then now, Matt. Yeah. Uh, yeah, let's yeah. talk about uh, the man in the hot seat at uh, Boundary Park, a man very familiar to Carl United fans, Keith Curl. Mm. Been put in a very difficult situation, hasn't he, as uh, as your gaffer? Um, what's the Oldham's fans' view on him? Because he, he was quite a divisive character at Britain Park. He did a lot of good things, but a lot of, fan, a lot of fans love him, and a lot of fans really don't like him, and... The club have made it very clear over the last few seasons. One of the reasons we end up in a bit of a financial mess was the interesting bonus system that he uh, insisted was put in place. Now, the argument is that the owners probably should have said, well, no, we're not going to go with that bonus system. But yeah. he, he took advantage, I think it's fair to say, of a, a, a chairman who just wants the best for the club and wants the club to succeed. And he agreed to the scheme. And it, it just basically, because we didn't get promotion, it didn't really help as much. So, yeah, um, Keith Curl, thoughts on him? I think I think the word. I mean, before you you said the word divisive. I, I, that's what mm. I was going to say. I think fans are divided on him. I think it's a very very difficult situation for him to come into because of the sporting director, because of the financial restraints that we're under. Um, the budget has got less and less. The quality of the players that we bring in, the quality of the squad that we bring in, just gets worse and worse every season uh, under this fella. And Curl's just like the ninth manager at the end of all this. So yeah. it's 
there's a lot of people saying, well, it's very hard to manage under this situation. It's hard to recruit. You know, we're basically picking up whoever we can, whoever can. We've got a few, are lucky with a few players, but the, the majority of the, of the squad are just people that are out of contract somewhere else that, that have had a lot of injuries and, and, and need a club. You know, we can pay, we can't pay much in terms of wages because of the embargo, not that yeah. we have much to spend anyway. So in that, in that circumstance, you say, yeah, okay, he's got a really, really tough job. Alternatively, he seems to persist with this formation of 3-5-2-1, which doesn't seem to suit the kind of players that we've got. Um, some of his decision-making seems to be questionable on the pitch um, during the game. He's not particularly, I don't know what he was like at Carlisle, but he's not particularly animated on the touchline. Which always to me looks, you know, we, we lost 2 1 against Harrogate recently. The Harrogate manager, with, you know, a couple of minutes to go there, 2 1 up, backing orders. Kills just kind of stood there with his arms crossed, and that, that always bothers me a little bit. Um, and I mean, yeah, I mean, there's, there are some people saying already that look, he's had enough time. You know, he was here, he was here towards the end of last season. His record with us is terrible. Um, but then, so's pretty much every other manager that we've had um, for the last however many years under these two. So, yeah. I mean, if, if he goes, who do we bring in? You know? Yeah, that's, that's your question. They're going to have to work with the same players, aren't they? It's the, that's the challenge. Um, one player did sign this summer, uh, Hallam Hope. How's he getting on? He's a, an ex-Blue as well. He seems to uh, be doing okay so far. I think he scored a few goals maybe. And Nick yeah. Adams, how's he getting on as well? Cause he's been well, he's injured, Nick hard. Adams. Ah, um, right. So, but you're Nicky Adams, you're Nicky Adams, and you get, yeah. you know what you're going to get from him. Exactly. Um, Hallam Hope has been playing played up front on his own most of the time. Um, he works hard, he chases things, but you know he's not hard. <laughs> I've not seen how many touches he gets the ball and what he's been able to do with it, that kind of stats. But I can't imagine it's been very fruitful for him. Yeah. He got dropped in the last couple of games. He scored um, the other night against Warsaw, but. You know, he's not like, you know, we've got, you don't really have a, a striker. We've got Zach Dernley, who's, who's, he's back from injury now, but he's like, we've had him for a couple of seasons and he's always yeah. injured. And he's, so he's, he, on his day, like when he was fit, um, was very quick, was a good finisher. He seems to have lost some of his pay, he seems to have bulked up a bit. Um, but he's been played up front on his own. For me, I don't see why they can't just go with, if you're going to, like, play Hope and Dernley up front, might be a bit better for everybody um but we we don't have the right players for the right positions we sort of like making do and you know this four three four sorry three no he plays like a three four two one that's what he kind of plays it doesn't seem to work it kind of leaves us the balance doesn't seem right and and but he seems to stick with it every single game so what's interesting to say about hope playing up front his own because when he was with us he was always I don't say always bagging on, but I think he was always insisting that he was a striker and he wanted to play as a striker. But all of his best performances from us came from playing off the left. He'd, he'd been able to come inside and, and do stuff there. And he, he was a very good player when he did that. But Well, I've not seen him play yeah. out on the left once this season. I've seen him, I saw him get pushed out to the right um, mm. against Harrogate in the second half and you know, was, was just as ineffective as he was down the middle. Um, but we've got like Dylan Bahambula, who's on his day, he's a really good player. But, he, you know, he's one of those that... I've seen him a couple of games um, 
where he's just been blowing by 60 minutes. Yeah. I mean, um, he's the one I was going to ask you about because it seems every week there's some sort of clip of him doing something ridiculous. Oh, yeah. He's very skillful. Like, very, very exciting player to watch. Yeah. But, you know, you've got... I prefer him out on the wing. Yeah. Um, but I think the problem, I think the, the reason Curl doesn't want to play him out on... He doesn't want to play him on the right of a four in midfield because he doesn't think he's going to get up and down enough to do enough defensively. So he wants to kind of keep him a bit higher up the pitch. But at the same time, that doesn't suit his game as much either. I think he's more effective when he actually comes from deeper and he gets a, he gets his stride on and he runs at players and he gets them on the back foot. Um, so, yeah, look, at the end of the day, it's up to Keith Curley. He knows more about football than I do. So, you know, it's up to him to get the, the best balance out of it. But again, it's... It's not. We thought that because Curls ended last season and had the whole of the preseason, that he was actually going to build a, a squad that that made sense. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Like his first eleven, and then he's got such and such as backups and this that, and it's like he's got a squad with playing a certain way in mind. It doesn't seem that that's been achieved, and that's frustrating because it's the first time we've had a manager finish one season and start the other season since these guys came in and took over. So it's actually not been effective at all in that respect some positives though we've we've had a young lad called harry vaughan come through mm. he's 17 and he just made his um international uh, debut for ireland i'm not quite sure at what level but um another lad called benny Couto, who is a portuguese lad who we've just signed he was actually a scholar when he made his debut um but they've just signed him on a three and a half year deal um and those two lads are absolutely brilliant like You'll you'll see on Saturday. Hopefully they'll play. I think Kuta will definitely play. Um, whether or not he'll start Vaughan. But Vaughan's one of these little sort of central midfielders. Uh, you could play him out wide. He, he, he looks, when he's on the pitch, it's hard to tell how tall he is. But when he stood next to all these six foot mm. four centre-halves in League Two, he looks about five feet tall. Uh, low centre of gravity. Gets stuck in, but like twists and turns and, and moves so well. You know, that kind of, he's a real proper footballer. And Benny Kuto is as well. Brilliant delivery for one of our goals at the weekend. Uh, left-sided play, a lot of energy. So, Juniela Wamba has come through as well. I think he's injured. He's a striker. Um, but he's he, he's only scored one goal so far. So, there are a few, like, positives. But these guys have been kind of thrust into the first team when yeah. they wouldn't have been, you know, have been normally. But having said that... Well- like Brian Clough used to say, wasn't it? If, you, if you're good enough, you're old enough. And, and yeah. these lads are definitely good enough. Well, I mean, what I would say before we just got to the predictions, that one thing that people always said about Keith Curl when he was in charge at our place was that he had pretty much zero interest in the youth team. He didn't. He barely even went to watch them over the mm. three or four years. So the fact that he's sticking young players in there probably does suggest that it's a situation where you haven't really got much choice but to really throw don't. them in. So We really don't. We've had, we, we have no in fairness, we've got a lot of injuries. Uh, Sam Hart made quite a positive start to the mm. season out on the left. Uh, signed in from South End, I think. And he's, to be fair, he's, he's been good. Um, we've, we have got a long injury list um, and it got to the point where, you know, you, you're seeing these names on the, on the bench at the weekend. You're like, who's that? Like, you know, um, so there really is just a case of trying to uh, fill fill the bench with whoever's available, um, but yeah, I mean it's going to we're, we're under no illusions. It's going to be a struggle this yeah. season for sure. Yeah, come on then, let's have your prediction for the for the game this weekend. Uh, I think some people have said it's like a two bald men fighting over a comb this game, but uh, we'll, we'll have to <laughs> yeah. see how it turns out. How do you reckon it will go? 
it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a funny one because I, Pierre Gianni was suspended. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he's back. I think I, think, I don't know if it's a one game suspension. Is it if it's the yellow cards? Is it just a one game suspension? It'd be one game, yeah, I think. Yeah, so hopefully Pierre Gianni will be back. We've been more solid at the back mm-hmm. with him and McGee when he's come back from from injury. McGee came back against Rochdale and, and made a massive difference. So I think with where you are in the league and, 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 and you struggling for goals um, and us being a lot more solid at the back, I think it'll be a low-scoring game. Um, I don't think we do that well up at your place traditionally, do we? Um, we won last season, but... <laughs> did we? Yeah, was, I think it was free. Was it free one um, game, I think? Yeah, last season was a, was a bit of a freaky season. But anyway, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to I'm gonna have to go for a 1-0 a to us, I think. That's what I'm going to go for. Yeah. I'm going to be. I I don't necessarily believe that we've that we've that we've. I wouldn't be surprised if it were nil nil. Yeah, I don't think anyone would be surprised. To be honest. Yeah, but, but I'll, I'm going to I'm going to stick my neck out and go for a one nil. I'll hope to score, no doubt. Yeah, because we've scored four goals in our last two games, so I'm I'm feeling a bit more optimistic about us actually yeah. getting getting a goal. Oh well, there you go. Than I was earlier on in the season. Yeah. Matt, thanks for your time. It's a uh, really good to speak to you. And I think we all agree we really hope that Oldham can uh, sort the problems out as soon as possible. It's a pleasure, Lee. And uh, I hope that, uh, that that people listening have get a bit of fire in their bellies about your supporters, Trust, and, and you know, yeah. don't, 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 don't become a victim of apathy. It's, it's no. a killer. Yeah, exactly. All right, mate. Cheers, Matt. Nice thanks. to talk to you, Lee. Okay, thanks once again to Matt for giving up uh, so much of his time to talk through the many, many issues at Oldham Athletic right now. It's uh, interesting, yeah. wasn't it? Very interesting, isn't it? And very interesting to see quite a few of the parallels and how arguably they're a bit further down the line. And I did have a chat with him actually a little bit afterwards, after we finished recording. And he was saying, like, in terms of position, we're in such so much better position than them than that we actually own part of the club for the supporters. Trust yeah. obviously, the issue is that the sports trust is so toxic that there's problems there. We'll, we'll touch on it later in terms of we're talking about future episodes, but I think we, there might be a special brewing in terms of that, mightn't there, Dan? I think yeah. it's fair to say. Um, let's move on to the game then. So obviously this weekend's referee, Benjamin Speedy. Uh, it's his second season as the EFL referee. He's actually taken charge of 13 games this season, handing out 37 yellow cards and one red card. And he's only taken charge of one United game before, and that was the 2-1 defeat to Fleetwood in some competition that we don't talk about last season. So he's, he's never took charge of us before? Arguably, yeah, in the same way that he's never actually sent off Gimme Touré because it got rescinded, but there you yeah. go. Um, so yeah, so that's the referee. Uh, head-to-head, played them 87 times in our history. It must be one of the highest that I'd think. I think probably Hartlepool, Darlington, higher maybe? Possibly oh, there's, a few, there's, there's one or two more. I think there's, there's not a huge amount more, but I think they're, no, they're up no, but it's, top, it's, it, it, as we've As we mentioned, it's... With the northern teams, you know, it's usually from the the days of regionalisation. Yeah, the the issue we've got is we had those years, didn't we, where we were in the second tier quite a lot, weren't we, in the 60s and 70s and that, so that yeah. confuses it. Um, yeah, so 37 wins for United, 21 draws and 29 wins for Oldham, so we're quite well ahead in the uh, head-to-head there, it's a rarity. Um, classic clash, Dan. I mean, there was only one I was going to pick for that, wasn't there? We're going back to Boxing Day <sighs> yeah. 2018. Oh, what a, what what a clash! A Boxing Day clash for the Blues. Where I'll I'll, I'll tell I'll tell you a game that wasn't, and uh, all all the listeners will agree with me. But uh, the end of my first season, eighty five, eighty six, when yeah. uh, the unfortunate happened, and we got uh, relegated. 
Yeah. What was the score on that one, though? Uh, I'm just going to hear it was... 5-2, two, 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 2-1. Oh, 2-1, sorry, yes. We lost 5-2. Two, 2-1, two, it was after, after the infamous 3-2 at home to Charlton. Ah. And uh, we went to went to Oldham and relegation was confirmed. Ah, well, there you go. Great um, first season. Yeah. <laughs> well, but now we're going back to Boxing Day 2018. Uh, a game where they dominate so much that if it had been a boxing match, it would have been stopped after about an hour for mercy, wouldn't it? I think it's fair to say. We were just sort of hitting our... Yeah, I mean, we went into the game looking for three wins in a row. We sort of hitting our stride under John Sheridan, weren't we, at this point? We were just just starting to find a bit of form. Um, the opening goal came on 18 minutes as Salby was sent away on the right. His ball inside found Nadison, who did quite well, actually. He turned inside the box and he was trying to hit with his left foot and the defender sort of slides in and blocks it, but the ball falls really nicely for Hallam Hope, who had a very busy afternoon on the left and he sort of fired it in and the keeper sort of dives into it doesn't he but he can't really stop it with the momentum and it goes into the back of the net um, the second came on the half an hour mark uh, Jamie Devitt no surprise here tried his luck from 25 yards keeper makes a, a decent save it sort of balloons up though and Hope is really quick to react gets it on the left and he plays it back across and it's a weird finish from Jerry Yates one isn't it because he's got a it, it looks like he's going behind him and he somehow manages to sort his feet out and sort of mm. clip it past the keeper. Really strange I, sort of goal. I, I can I remember when that goal was scored, everyone was like, how would you do that? Yeah, it was, it was mad, <laughs> wasn't what it? What happened there? Yeah, I mean, uh, it wasn't until the second half that United further extended their lead uh, as Hope was played in space down the left and his cross into the box was met by a diving header from Nadison and uh, he managed to place the ball past the keeper and into the back of the net. Uh, the fourth goal was a bit of a landmark one, wasn't it? Uh, Danny Granger stepped up to curl in a free kick from 25 yards. I think the keeper probably should have done better with it, actually, when you look back yeah. at it. He gets a good hand to it. Well struck, but a good hand. That was actually Granger's last goal for the club, wasn't it, Dan? Mm. So, yeah, there you go. Um, so, fifth goal came on 71 minutes. Devitt pounced on a sloppy bit of defending, uh, and he played the ball f- perfectly through for... Jerry Yates, uh, he showed good composure to advance and get to the edge of the box and he fired the ball past the keeper for his second of the game. The icing on the cake came in the 90th minute as Hope was again the provider. He advanced into the box on the left and picked out Gary Little, of all people, in the six-yard box. And he sort of bundles the ball into the back of the net. It's not even like a head down. It's almost like his chest, isn't it? It's a strange goal. And uh, that gave United their biggest league win in 12 years, I think. You I'm trying to win you're... Sam, I'm pretty sure. You know you've it. hammered someone when the likes of Gary Liddell are bundling <laughs> balls into the net. In the six-yard box, he's coming yeah, in for yeah, a cross, isn't yeah. he? In the 90th minute, it tells you all you need to know, really, doesn't it? Um, yeah, I mean, the most astonishing thing about this afternoon, though, wasn't the game itself, was it? It was John Sheridan's post-match interview. I've never seen a manager look so annoyed that his side won 6-0. He was miserable. He was having like amazing, wasn't it? I mean, it emerged afterwards, didn't it? I think there's rumours came out that he had a big fallout with a few players. Possibly Devitt and Granger were mentioned, weren't they? Um, He just wasn't happy. He won the next two games though, uh, but then departed after the Morecambe game, wasn't it? I think that we won on uh, New Year's Day. So that was the end of his uh, spell as manager. Went to Chesterfield, didn't really work out there. Went to Swindon, didn't really work out there. Went to Wigan, didn't really work out there. So. Yeah, not not a great time since he left. He maybe should have stayed, but then again, I think a few payoffs, didn't he? Well, yeah, but I think he might have just seen what was coming at Carlisle. I think at that point, because obviously we had a few loan players left, didn't they? Um, So yeah, it was uh, interesting. The thing that stood out for me watching the highlights back on this, Dan, was just how important Hallam Hope was to that team. He's, I think, he's a player who gets a bit more stick than he deserves. I think he's quite underrated in terms of 
when it, especially when a team's doing well, he's a vital part of it, isn't he? Especially playing off the left, I think he's a really good player. But what you what you give for that front three now, wouldn't you? <laughs> God, it's, it's different gravy to what we've got now. It is, isn't it? It's just different yeah. level, isn't it? Different level altogether. Um, right, so let's move on to the play for both list, Dan, because there's a lot of names to pick out here. You've picked one out for us, haven't you? So you're going to cover that now. Yeah, and this week I've gone for a Geordie, born in Newcastle mm-hmm. in 1979. Uh, started his career at Newcastle. Uh, did make a small handful of appearances for them. It is David Beharrell. I knew you were going to pick him. As soon as you said Geordie, I thought... <laughs> That's the only one on the list I can see here that is Geordie from what I remember. No, uh, he made made a couple of appearances for for Newcastle. Uh, He was in a 5-1 loss at Man United, I remember. Uh, But he had a a couple of loan spells. First at Grimsby, played a few Mm. games. Then he had one at Oldham, which actually... He joined Oldham for 150 grand in 2002, Mm. which decent amount back then. Yeah. Uh, He spent four years at Oldham. But he didn't play that many uh, games, yeah. you know, a lot of injuries. And he was actually the victim of a carjacking during his time at Oldham. I forgot about that, yeah. In 2003, uh, him and Adam Griffin stopped at a cash machine and he was in a, like a 20 grand Mercedes. And uh, Griffin was left defenseless when someone with a knife point, a knife point and an iron bar and you know, he's, he's, he lost his wallet and his phone, but he was just happy that him and Griffin were okay, <laughs> yeah, you know. And, I thought so. Yeah, and uh, he just, it didn't really, didn't really happen for him at uh, Oldham, you know, managers changed. Uh, when Brian Talbot came in, he just he played half a dozen games and he was actually agreed mm. a settlement to pay up in the January. Yeah. And then nine days later, he joined us on an 18, <laughs> 18 months. So his, his agent's had the right one there, hasn't he? Yeah, definitely. But uh, he he played he played a uh, part a bit of a re- part in the return to the football league played uh, all the playoff matches you know and scored one goal in the two one win at Farnborough mm. but then he uh, his pre season was knackered and uh, he he had an injury and he didn't really have they couldn't really find out what the problem was with yeah. it but it just it stunted him at the club mm. and he just. You know, made made bit part appearances, and he he left on the first of February, which will have been deadline day, won't it? Yeah. You know, it was sort of a mutual agreement, and uh, he joined he joined Stockport, but in uh, the end of that season, he retired due in ongoing bad knee injury. So mm. it just whatever it was was never settled. Yeah. But uh, he's 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 been a bit different from uh, the average player we have on this because. Yeah. He went on and set up a digital agency called mm. Candid Sky in Manchester. Did he? Really he's, well, he's won a Northwest Entrepreneur of the Year, uh, an award for his work within social media, and his his company. The there's a digital industry award called the Big Chip Awards, mm. which are like recognised as the biggest in the UK and. Is Candid Sky won best use of search and CRO at the 18th annual awards? So, I think if you Google his name and Candid Sky, there is some quite interesting articles pop up with him. And uh, worth a read, isn't it? Yeah, definitely interesting one, though, isn't he? Because he he was a centre back predominantly at at Oldham, wasn't he? Yeah, Simo signed him and just played him a right back. 
Yeah, I think he, yeah. I think he played maybe one or two games. Was at centre back maximum. Yeah, but yeah. Like you said, he, he lost his place at the start of the 2005-06 season to um, Paul Arneson and just yeah, never got yeah. it back, did he? And that was the problem for him. So, yeah, interesting name there. Okay, let's go through the full list, and it's a long one. We'll we'll sort of skim some of them because we, we've discussed them before on other ones. But, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, obvious one, he's already there. Nicky Adams is still there. Uh, probably won't play this weekend, though. I think he's injured, so he's not going to feature. Uh, Alf Agar, um, I think he's very early days blue, isn't yeah. he, I think? Uh, Lewis Alessandra, he, he had a spell at Oldham. I think he started his career, actually, did he, I think? Possibly. Mm, I'll have to check on that. I have yeah. a feeling he did, anyway. Ben Amos, he had a loan spell there, like he had a loan spell with us from Manchester United. Yeah. David Baharol, you've already mentioned. Graham Bell, uh, Richie Bennett. I think he started his career at Oldham as well as a youth, and I don't think he ever played a first team he was, game. He's from that way, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. Paul Black, we mentioned him the other week. Let's say, the less say, the better. He, the, the, this next one pops up in a few lists, doesn't he? Considering he didn't actually make an appearance for us. Dean Buzanis. Yeah. <laughs> He's had a few loans well, didn't he? I don't think he even played yeah. for Oldham, possibly. Uh, the two Browns, Connor Brown and Reese Brown, both been yeah. at Oldham, both been at Carlisle. Um, Tony Cars, he's an interesting one, wasn't he? Tony Cars was slightly underrated, I thought. Well, he wasn't he, a bad he little was a, player. He was a good little player. I think we had him on like a month-to-month contract, I think, under yeah. Atkins. And I think basically he just got offered better money to go to Chesterfield, so went there. So Yeah, yeah. Interesting character. Uh, Adam Collin, I think he had a loan spell at Oldham. I don't know. I think he maybe played one game for them, possibly. Uh, from Newcastle. Uh, someone who's managed both clubs, Keith Curl. Obviously, we'll touch on him in a little bit. Uh, I didn't realise this fellow had played for Oldham. David Curry. He had a spell there. Uh, Greg Fleming. He, I think he, he played quite a few games for Oldham, didn't he, actually, I think, at some point, I'm sure. Um, Dean Furman, obviously, played a lot more for Oldham than he did for when us. When he was at Oldham, every couple of months, I said, we need to sign that lad. He's a good player. Yeah, and then yeah. he went to Doncaster. And he was quality, and then yeah. he went. Uh, he came to us a couple of years too late, to be quite honest. Yeah, yeah, that was the problem. Um, Anthony Gerrard, uh, you know, did fairly well at Oldham, and he was a, an important player that season when he was with us, wasn't he? I think we it needed an a, experience. Head. Just a bit dodgy when he left, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, yeah to be honest, he's, he, you've got to learn that you're going to have to deal with that with um, yeah. with Anthony Gerrard, aren't you? Really, so. But yeah, I, I'll always remember that air game against Berry where he grabbed his stew and he was trying to give <laughs> yeah. one of our fans. Got a ban for that, didn't he? A one-game ban. Yeah. Um, Lewis Guy, he, he had a spell at uh, Oldham. Uh, Callum Higginbotham, he regularly gets mentioned in our uh, X-Blues updates. Not this week, though. Um, Clint Hill, he had, a, I think, a season at Oldham, possibly towards the start of his career. Um, Hallam Hope is there now. Les Horton. Uh, Chris Howarth, I think he played one game for Oldham like he played one game for us. Jabo Abiri, you think Jabo was at Oldham, don't you? Yeah. Interesting yeah. one. Um, couple of Joneses. Alex Jones, I think he was a fullback. Possibly 89, 91, I think. It was more, he played full and central. Yeah. So you'll remember him because I think he was round about the sort of start of your following. Of United, yeah, right, I yeah, think, yeah. yeah. Uh, Mike Jones, obviously he had time at Oldham. Uh, Darren Kelly, didn't play for Oldham, but he didn't manage them, not for very long. But he did manage See, it. I heard the reason why his managerial spell failed was because they couldn't get a telly big <laughs> enough for him to show his diagrams yeah, up. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Because that. his telly is massive. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Frank fa- Clark. Fa- sorry, fa- fans of a certain era will appreciate we'll, we'll that. get that joke. Darren yeah. Kelly and his massive yeah. telly. Frank Large, um, I think he left United to go to Aldham, actually. Two good spells with both clubs in terms of scoring goals. Uh, one that's uh, probably best to forget, Alex Marrow. Do you know something? After long after he'd left us, uh, I was on a training course with work, and 
There was a lad from works in London, lives in Kent, and it got cracking to him. Turns out he lived next door to Alex Barrow. Hey. And he said, you couldn't meet a nicer kid, but he was just permanently partying. <laughs> that that does not I, surprise you, does it, to, really? To, to the point where he'd have to politely knock and say, sorry, Alex, we're up for work in the morning. He just, oh, sorry, sorry, <laughs> sorry, mate. Yeah, yeah, I'm really, and then next day, yeah. oh, you know, he'd drop off a bunch of flowers for his miss. Yeah. Oh, I'm really sorry, you know. A couple more came back than we expected. Oh, yeah, no problem. And yeah. I said he was a lovely lad, just he liked the rave too much. <laughs> there you go. A uh, couple of McDonald's now, obviously, with Rod. He had a spell at Oldham. I don't think he ever played a first-team game for them, did he? I don't think. And uh, Neil, he, he was a player at Oldham for a short while. Uh, George McVitie, he had time at uh, Oldham. Neil Moore. 90s throwback there, isn't it? I think he was yeah. mid-90s on loan from Everton, was it? Yeah. Um, Paul Murray, well-liked well, well liked at both clubs. I was um, going to say, Paul Murray's probably the one on this list that's had the most at both clubs. Yeah, I think he I'd give him more at Oldham because he spent quite a while at Oldham. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, a 90s loan throwback again here, Tony Phyllis-Girk. Tony Phyllis-Girk, wow. Uh, Jason Price, I didn't even realise he'd been. I mean, he'd been, he's been everywhere. To be fair, so not really massive yeah. surprise. David Reeves, I think he was towards the end of his career, Alden, wasn't he? Um, Carlos Rocker, <laughs> I thought you were going to pick him. You know, I was convinced you were going to pick Carlos Rocker for the. Uh, no, I, yeah, he did come across, but when obviously because Bahedal's got that interesting post football yeah, career, yeah, he, he just knows it. Yeah, Stephen Schumacher, I think he was there permanently, wasn't he? he had a loan spot. Yeah, yeah. Was. Rob Scott, there's another 90s yeah, loney yeah. throwback. Good player, him, wasn't he? He was a decent player yeah. for us. Uh, John Sheridan managed both clubs. He played at Oldham as well. Um, I think he managed Oldham about four times, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah. Do a fifth one soon, you think? Yeah. Alan Smart, towards the end of his career, he was at uh, Boundary Park. Mark Tierney, uh, Mick Wadsworth has managed both clubs. Paul Warhurst, is, I mean, he's, I say he's played for both clubs. He's played for he, us he, turn, he turned up it. for us once yeah and uh, Kieran <laughs> Westwood had a spell at all of them. I don't think he played a game I think yeah. he was cover on loan wasn't he uh, but obviously at United he was uh, a little bit more successful I think it's fair to say okay well let's play for both of them then Dan so let's get on to the, uh, the sort of talking about Oldham current day now um, they're a mess aren't they <laughs> off the field it's just one thing after another isn't it I mean the, the guy who owns them's not particularly popular Um his brother's the director of football. Doesn't seem to have a clue how to run a football club. But there's been a lot of talk. I mean, David Wheater was in the press talking about him, wasn't he? Saying he was clueless, and I think a few players who've left have said the same thing. Um, but I mean, there are some good players in that squad, there aren't there? When you look at it, there's some decent players in there, but there's big gaping holes, and they're relying a lot on young players right now. And I mean, the fact that they've had to announce five signings before the start of the season, that's the kind of stuff we were doing in, was it, when Roddy Collins took over, wasn't it? I think we had two or three players announced on the opening day and playing. It doesn't set a good scene, does it, for the season? No, it's well, Swindon have shown what you can do when that happens this year because they they had a late flurry, likes of McCurdy and that, and, you know, it's it goes one or two ways. It all depends what state your club's in, who your manager mm-hmm. is. It can either click like Swindon have a bit, you mm-hmm. know, they've they've steadied themselves, or it can go pear shaped, yeah. which, you know, in Alden's case, unfortunately, so far it has. Yeah, I mean the form's picked up a little bit. We'll we'll mention that shortly. Um, 
let, let's talk about the uh, the man in charge then, Dan. I know you really don't want to because you're not a, a massive fan of his. I think it's fair I'm, to say. I'm not, but I'm. You know, it's, it's, it's history as far as my club's concerned. Yeah. So, and it's, I think he's quite astute going to Oldham. I, yeah. I, I, I do doff my cap to him on this because he went to Oldham last season knowing what was going on, mm. knowing he's on a no-lose. Yeah. If he turns so, things around, he looks like a genius. If he turns things around, he's a genius. If he doesn't, and he'll if, just say, well. Gets, if we get rid of him, he just says, well, good luck to the next one. I tried. You know, yeah. you can't do anything here. Right, I'm about the and, and he'd, he'd, he'd also be saying that in future interviews. You know, it's... Yeah. Uh, you know, it's 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 a madcap player. It's crazy. It's I mean, you know, it, it's a mo- it's a, it's a worse situation than in what he took over at United, isn't it? One hundred percent worse situation. Yeah. Than when he took over in twenty fourteen, he's reunited with two of his old favourites, though, isn't he? Nicky Adams is already there when he arrived, but he's brought Hallam Hope in as well, hasn't he? So, getting the boys back together in that sense. Let's um, get the band together for one I mean, more I, tour. I, what was it? Someone is it? Mike always says, I, "I wish I could find a woman who looks at me the same way that uh, Keith Curl looks at Hallam Hope and yeah. his availability to sign on a free transfer." Um, yeah, I, 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 the one thing I don't think he'll be enjoying this season though, is the fact that they're having to rely heavily on young players because, as we know, he had not much interest in the youth team at Cal United. I think it's fair to say. Um, star man Dan there's only one person to pick for this isn't there really for them Dylan Billum oh god (laughs) Bamboozle yeah Yeah. Bamboozle and everything Dylan Bahambula I mean he he, it seems every week there's a clip appearing on on uh, Twitter and stuff like that isn't it of something crazy he's done I mean the goal he scored against Stevenage yeah it's a bit mad defending but the composure he shows I mean it's the kind of thing You'd expect Toure to maybe do that for us, wouldn't you? Flick it over the keeper and that, but you wouldn't back Toure to have the composure to actually go and finish it off. Whereas with him, you feel like, yep, yeah, he's calm, collected, and he's going to finish it off every time. And there's obviously concerns about how much, how good he is defensively in terms of covering. But overall, as a player, I mean, he's a, he's a talent, isn't he? He's an exciting player. You'd want him yeah, on your team, yeah. wouldn't you? 100%. You you wonder if he's away in. Uh... In January. Well, he had a trial at Middlesbrough in the summer, didn't he? Yeah. He was under contract yeah. to Oldham and they let him go on trial to Middlesbrough, which I thought, that's a bizarre move. But I did think to myself, yeah, Middlesbrough's the kind of club I could see Bamboola at. I don't know why. It just yeah, strikes yeah. me as the kind of club that would sign a player like him. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's, he's a big player. It's weird that big clubs haven't signed him up yet, but I mean, if they're going to stay up, they're going to need him to be firing on all cylinders, really, to, to keep them up there. In terms of other key squad members, Dan, I don't know if you've looked through it. The ones I've picked out here, I mean, obviously Curl's going to be relying heavily on experience this season. So, I mean, Nicky Adams, uh, he's injured this weekend, but he's obviously a, a big player for them playing at right back these days. Uh, Carl Piagiani, uh, Piagiani, sorry. Um, he's got, he's a, a player as well that, you know, at the heart of defence, from what uh, Matt was saying before from the Olden podcast, he's been a big player for them as well in terms of leading the back line. Um and I think as well, I mean, we are, though, what Hallam Hope can do when he's on, on form. He's a, a player that most defences just don't want to face up against in, in this division when he's not on form. He is a bit of a waste of a shirt. And the other one I really like is Kelly or Davis Dunn. He's a player I always really liked. I think he, I'd love to see him at Brunton Park. I think he'd be a really good player for us. Um, any others you've seen in the squad that you fancy to look up, Dan, or are you? Uh, no, I think you've covered them, to be quite yeah. honest. It's a lot, a lot of young players, a lot of interesting ones. The, the Portuguese lad they've just signed on an extended deal is supposed to be quite a talent. So, be interesting to see how he gets on this weekend. Um, 
yeah, in terms of current form, I, mean, I mentioned there before, the form's actually not that bad over the last six games. They're currently 13th from the form table, which is 10 places higher than United are right now. <laughs> um, the current record is it's quite consistent. It's drawn one loss, drawn one lost. So probably a draw is what you put your money on this weekend, isn't it, I think? Um, the two wins in those last six games have come against Rochdale and Stevenage. Stevenage is dropping like a stone at the moment as well, so... Uh, probably a good thing they've taken advantage of that um, Rochdale's a big one for them though isn't it because it's a local derby so be very happy with that one in terms of uh, where they're struggling at I mean at both ends of the pitch really isn't it goals goals wise they're not scoring too many defensively conceding too many uh, their defensive record is slightly better than United they've conceded 19 to United's 21 but they've also scored one less goal 10 to United's 11 so their goal difference is just one better than United which is what's keeping them one place above the Blues in the table on goal difference. Um, let's touch on United then, Dan. Obviously, injury-wise, Dixon and Norman are both definitely out. Kelvin Mellor looks like he's still just recovering. I think he might be involved on the bench maybe this weekend. Um, Gimme Tori, we, we, we mentioned we're going to say he's doubtful with an injury, but turns out he's gone out on loan, hasn't he, as we record? He's joined Aldershot on loan yes, for a month. Yes, just as we're recording now, uh, five o'clock there, it came through that... Uh... He's joined on an initial month loan. Uh, I would hazard a guess we might not see him in a Carlisle shirt again. No, I imagine if he does well there, he'll probably go there permanently in the summer. Yeah. In so January makes sense. To be honest, it's getting him game time. You know, I'll never ever get why Beach extended his deal and then decided just not to use him. Yeah. Utterly pointless. He should have just let him go and let him find a new club and start again. But there you go. So yeah, that's in terms of injuries and knocks and stuff like that. Tristan Abrahams was left out of the squad in midweek and wasn't injured. So interesting to see whether he gets involvement at the weekend. I actually something we didn't touch on in the Tramir bit. I I was really disappointed with his sub appearance when he came on against Tramir. Actually, I thought he didn't do anywhere near enough as a sub to to worry the tram to worry the Tramir back line. I think he was he was one of those points we thought you're not fighting for a place in the team right now, are you? Yeah, yeah. Really disappointing. So what does he do then, Dan? Stick with the same side that started Newport? Maybe bring in Brad Young for a bit of energy up front? I think you tweak it. If you've got a fit right back, do you look to move Riley up? Uh, I think I'd like stick say, with Riley. I think I'd keep Riley in there. I don't really have any problem at the moment. I, I think we need a better striker up front. Mm-hmm. Uh, stick or twist, stick or twist it. They finished the game quite well. I know it was against mm. nine men, but we're at home. We're against a poor side. Yeah, I think he'll be tempted to stick. Yeah, maybe a minor tweak. Maybe like I said, a young coming in for Alessandro. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. think he likes having the experience up there at the moment, doesn't he? I think without being able to make any signings. Really. We've we've said a couple of times that Alessandro is. Coming into the twilight of his career, yeah, he's more years, suited to coming off the bench. Yeah, late on in a game when you're trying to hold on to a lead and you you know you want someone to hold on to the ball a bit and be intelligent with the use of it. That's where Alessandro's going to come in, come into his own this season, I think. Yeah. At the moment, he's just playing because we don't have any options, essentially, yeah, do we? Yeah. That's the problem. Um, okay, then, Dan, uh, predictions. Let's have your predictions for this weekend. Well... It's Carlisle United versus Keith Curls Oldham. It's going to be 4 4 3 to Carlisle. 
I'm so annoyed because you know what? I was going to pick that myself. <laughs> I totally thought it's going to be a mental game. That both, neither team can defend. We scored a few goals. They've scored a few goals lately. Clough two, Young and Gibson. Clough two and Young and Gibson. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go the same. I'm going to go four, three. Why not? I'm going to go. Uh, Clough will get one. I think Riley will get another. Um, uh, I fancy Alessandro to maybe get one because I think he will start. And then Mellish with the other. There you go, four different scorers, yeah. four free. Let's hear what Mike's got to say. Mike is sending his predictions to me earlier today. I am actually going to predict a 2-0 win for the Blues with an attendance of bang on 4,000 and uh, John Mellish is going to score a brace. Oh, there you go. Bang on 4,000. Well, that's a very precise prediction for the attendance there. We didn't even do well, did we? Uh, I'm going to go for 4,172. Four, 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 four. Four, 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 four. Well, there you go. Um, right. X-File section, Dan, to round things up. Uh, a busy week for goals, wasn't it? And cards. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't. They came in little batches, didn't they? FA Cup uh, was uh, very kind to us, wasn't it, in this sense? Yeah. We've got uh, Cole Stockton again. And uh, if you actually Google this most unlikely combination of names, Cole Stockton and Tyson Fury... There's an article about them today. I think it was in yeah. the Daily Mail. Saw that. Was uh, Jenny Yates got a goal for Blackpool in the 2-1 defeat at Forest, and then a brace, including a pen, in the 3-2 win over Reading. Just finding his form, isn't he, in the Championship? Yeah. Now? Andy Cook scored for Bradford. Uh, a belter in the first on the Saturday game to the FA Cup. Kelvin mm. Langmead yeah. scored for Banbury in the 1-0 win over Bath. Obviously, he's centre-back these days, isn't he? Yeah. yeah. Uh, Banbury, Mag- who are Banbury playing in the first round? Are they playing someone quite big? Is it Barrow they're playing, actually? You said someone big. Oh, sorry. No, I mean, yeah. I meant a league side, I should have said. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, they're playing, yeah. I think they're playing Barrow, aren't they? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, Paddy Madden scored a penalty for Stockport against Stamford in the Cup. They won that 3-0, and, I think, was it? I think. Yeah. Like Mark Beck scored for York in the one-all draw with Morpeth. And uh, Angelo Balanta scored two for Dagenham in their win over Wealdstone in the Cup. Mm. Then midweek, we had goals for Mark Cullen, got two for Hartlepool. Uh, Charlie Wikes. Just, just on that one quickly, Dan. I mean, there was a 3 1 win over <laughs> Bradford. Bradford, are really, Bradford are not doing that well this season. No, they've, Adams, they've dipped, they? haven't they? They've dipped. Yeah, not really. Uh, Charlie Wikes scored again for Wigan. He seems to be getting one or two. Uh, Tom Lawrence got a goal for Derby in their draw with Luton. Uh, Ryan Loft missed a third-minute penalty for Scunthorpe mm. at Barrow. Put it wide, didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> dreadful. Uh, Hallam Hope scored for Oldham in their defeat at Walsall. Mm. Uh, said had a 3-2 win over Mask United, uh, a small team for Middlesbrough away. Uh, Kedwin Scott and Adam Campbell scored for them in that game. Mm. And uh, a red card... Ashley Addison got a second booking for diving in Crawley's defeat at Exeter. When you so. watch the video, it looks a little bit harsh, the decision, actually. But then someone else said apparently there's an angle behind the goal that shows he wasn't touched at all and he, yeah. he deserved it. His career's not really taken off in the way that I thought he would do after he left us. No, I, I think he's too home comfort. Yeah, I, I would love to have seen it. I think if he'd stayed with us, I think he could have done really well for us. But there you go. What can you do? Um, that's it then, Dan. That's the, it's going to be a long episode, this one, to be fair. Thank you to everyone for sticking with it till the very end. It's a bit of a slog. Um, 
Thank you once again to our sponsors, the London Branch. Uh, remember, you can uh, subscribe to the podcast and give us a review wherever you get your podcasts, whether that's ACAS, Google, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. You know, it's, it's brilliant. I mean, at the moment, we're averaging, we think, about 500 listens an episode, which is brilliant. We're really, really pleased with that. And we want more people to find out about it. Um, Spread you know. the word. Hey, we're the top-rated Cal United podcast on the internet, aren't we, Dad? Happy so days. Get 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 yourselves uh, listening to us. Get yourselves subscribing, and we're going to get a few more episodes out in the near future as well, aren't we? Um, yeah. Uh, obviously, you can follow us on social media: Brunton Bugle on Twitter at Stat Brunton Bugle. We've got the Facebook page, which I am updating a little bit more regularly now. Um, as well as that, you'll obviously you'll find us on the Be Just on Fear Not group and a few other places as well, won't you? Um, Kate, do you want the world map of listeners update, Dan? Uh, I think yeah. we might have a couple we, I actually tweeted this on our Twitter, didn't I? And we got one yeah. or two replies. But if you haven't seen it, go on our Twitter and oh. give us a reply to it if you're one of those highlighted countries. Have we done Argentina before, Dan? I can't remember if we have or not. Because Argentina is our listener. I think we have, you know. Yeah, well, we've got Hungary as well as a new listener. And I finally, I finally managed to get into our Spotify stats and we've got a listener in Hong Kong listening to us, so... International blues are all over the place, aren't they? It's crazy. Uh, yeah, in terms of upcoming episodes, we'll do a preview episode for Northampton next week, as usual. We're hopefully in the next couple of weeks as well. We're going to try and fit in a little special episode about the state of play at Cali United. Basically, we're going to look at all things: the ownership issue, the sports trust not being trusted issue, the Brunton Park issue. Anything you think you want us to talk about in terms of the problems at the club? We'll we'll, we'll, prob- we'll probably put this up on the socials. I mean, yes, definitely. T- to be honest, we could end up with a six-hour episode here, but you know, yeah. sort of the key points, and uh, we'll try and group them together into, uh, uh, as you say, those sort of categories. Yeah, definitely. That's it then, Dan. Hopefully, where uh, Gavin Skettlemill, if he's going to finish his caretaker, will sign off with three points this weekend, won't he, Dan? That's what we're all hoping for. Uh, thanks everyone for listening as usual, and uh, up the blues. Up the blues. Oh, I'm united between us all.